Welcome to Markets Plus, where leading experts from across BMO discuss factors shaping the markets, economy, industry sectors, and much more. Visit bmocm.com slash markets plus for more episodes. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Today's episode is from a recent BMO economic event, where Doug Porter, chief economist and managing director at BMO, provides his national forecast for the Canadian economy. Let's take a listen. It's been quite a complicated environment, uh, to be frank, over, over the past year. If you stand back about a year ago or so, we and many others were calling for at least a mild recession in North America this year. And frankly, it hasn't happened. And I think to start off, that's, uh, that's good news. And part of the reason why we've managed to avoid a recession is inflation has come down from the very worst levels that we saw back in the summer of 2022. Uh, recall at that point, U.S. inflation was above 9%. Uh, Canadian inflation was above 8%, numbers that we hadn't seen since the early 1980s. And in both cases, inflation has been cut in half since then, you know, without a meaningful downturn in the economy. And I think that is good news. The less great news is it's going to be tougher to get inflation from around its 4% level now back down to where the central banks want to see it, and that's closer to 2%. We think that's probably not going to be reached until late next year before we're re we've really got inflation down to a more comfortable level. And as part of that view that it's taking inflation a little bit longer to get back down to where central banks want to see it, we've seen long-term interest rates really sprint higher in the last couple of months. Now, in the past week or so, there's been some relief on that front, partly because of a flight to safety in the wake of the Mideast conflict. But I think the bigger issue is that if you look at that chart on the right-hand side, just the relentless rise we've seen in long-term interest rates around the world. Now, this happens to be the U.S. 10-year government bond I'm, I'm looking at. It's reached levels that we haven't seen since 2007. It's certainly not the only one here in Canada. We've seen the 10-year government bond. You'll get up to around 4% or so. And again, that's the highest we've seen in, in 16 years. And to some extent, that does you know, threaten both government finances and to some extent the near-term outlook. And the simple phrase there is that you know, we are looking at higher for longer on interest rates. So let's take a look at what this means for the broader economy. We have not seen a, a full-fledged downturn. Yes, it's been a below average year for the global economy. We've got the world economy growing by a little bit less than 3% this year. Keep in mind, that's after inflation or, or real economic growth. To most of us, that would seem like a pretty good number, uh, something close to 3%. But it is below average. A more normal year for the global economy would be about three and a quarter to three and a half percent, so a little bit below average. But I think the other important point here is if you go down that bar chart, you can see that every single economy has seen at least some growth this year. And that wasn't obvious at the start of the year. If we think back to the start of 2023, we thought Britain, Europe, and yes, Russia, were probably looking at, at least a mild downturn this year. And instead, they've all managed to grind out some growth. I know there's also been a lot of focus on China, certainly, um, but even with some disappointment there, the reality is, is the Chinese economy is looking at about 5% growth this year. Now, looking out into 2024, we do see some further slowdown. We see the, another below average year for the global economy in 2024. But again, that's well short of what we would consider to be a full-blown recession for the global economy. So essentially what we're saying is it's going to feel like the, uh, the economy is swimming upstream uh, globally, a, a below average year but not bad and not, not a full-fledged downturn. Now, for the U.S. economy, I have to say it's been a surprisingly good year 
for the U.S. economy. In fact, I would just point out that we're looking at growth of a bit more than 2% this year in the U.S. That's actually better than what we saw last year. And I dare say that not a single economic forecaster was expecting the U.S. economy to see better growth this year than it saw in uh, in 2022. However, we do expect things to cool down. We, we actually believe it'll start to cool down this very quarter. And we're looking at fairly modest growth over, over the next year. A lot of the tailwinds uh, that were blowing behind the U.S. economy have now started to lessen. Of course, we're dealing with the conflict in the Middle East. We're dealing with that big run-up in long-term interest rates that I discussed earlier. We've got an auto worker strike in the U.S. All these things uh, will weigh on uh, U.S. growth over the next year. But importantly, we're not calling for a full-on downturn in the U.S. economy. In fact, we don't see any single quarter of negative GDP in the U.S. over the next year. For Canada, it has definitely been a tougher go. Even though the economy has managed to avoid a recession this year, it's seeing only very modest growth. And we think that's likely to be the story over the next year. In fact, we think the Canadian economy will struggle to grow at all over over the next year. We do see some improvement by late 2024. Uh, but you can see we do have the Canadian economy trailing behind that of uh, the U.S. basically over the the next 18 months or so. Now, I would say that overall consumer spending this year has held up remarkably well in the face of you know the many issues that the consumers dealt with, whether it's very high inflation globally or the big run-up in interest rates. I think it's remarkable how uh, the consumer in both Canada and the U.S. have held up. And a lot of it goes back to the fact that in both uh, countries, consumers were sitting on a lot of so-called pandemic savings. You know, the savings rate reached extraordinary levels in the in the last few years during the early stages of the pandemic. But even now, uh, Canada's household savings rate is still close to 5%. So the typical household is saving about 5% out of income. Uh, historically speaking, that's about an average savings rate, but it's higher than it was before the pandemic. And if we look at even a conservative measure of household savings, excess savings in Canada, there's still more than $200 billion. That's a lot of money. Now, coupled with that, we also believe that there's there was quite a bit of pent-up demand for things like travel and entertainment. You know, look at the price of tickets and how much demand there is for it, just to give you an idea of how much pent-up the demand there is for entertainment. But above and beyond that, there was also a lot of pent-up demand for motor vehicles. You know, when you think about how tough it was to buy a car or truck in recent years, because suppliers just couldn't keep up with the demand because of the chip shortage globally. Now, that's slowly but surely being worked out. Uh, the supply chain is is getting back closer to normal. But we still believe that there is quite a, a bit of pent-up demand for, for motor vehicles. So that's the good news for consumers is they, in both Canada and the U.S., they were sitting on a lot of savings and they had a lot of pent-up demand for travel, entertainment, and motor vehicles. The less good news is record levels of household debt in Canada. And this is really where Canada and the U.S., separate. Uh, it's not the situation in, in the U.S. Their household debt levels are actually not particularly high at all. So they're not feeling the same kind of pressure from the run-up in interest rates that we're seeing, seeing here in Canada. And on top of that, a lot of U.S. debt is locked into 30-year mortgages, so it just doesn't turn over nearly as quickly as it as does in Canada. And we think that over the next year, some of the support factors for, uh, for the consumer that I spoke about, the pent-up demand and the excess savings, are probably largely tapped out or will start to ebb. And meanwhile, the negative, the, the level of household debt and the run-up in interest rates is still there. And so we think that over the next year, the consumer will be increasingly squeezed in Canada. And that's why we see the economy really struggling to grow 
over the next 12 months or so. Now, I will point out that the reality is, is there is no average household in, in Canada. Everyone's facing a different situation. And all that record level of household debt I just talked about is actually concentrated in only about 40% of households. R- roughly speaking, only about 40% of households account for the lion's share of the Canadian debt. And it's those 40% of households that will really face the squeeze over, over the next year. Meanwhile, there's another 40% of the, of households that account for the lion's share of that excess savings that I talked about. And they arguably are even benefiting from the rise in interest rates that we've seen. And so you're looking at a very different story for two different groups of consumers. And by the way, there's another 20% who have very little on the way of debt and very little in the way of savings, and they haven't been that terribly affected one way or the other uh, by this rise in interest rates. Now, another positive factor for the consumer on both sides of the border, and it's tough to describe just how healthy the job market has been. In fact, I would assert that in the summer of 2022, we had the healthiest, tightest job market in North America that we've ever had during peacetime. I mean, we have seen lower unemployment rates, perhaps during World War II and maybe the Korean War. But if you looked at where we were in last summer, this was as robust a job market as we had ever seen. The Canada's unemployment rate got below 5%. The U.S. unemployment rate got down in the low threes. Well, since then, we have seen a little bit of a freeing around the edges, a little bit of a weakening in the North American uh, job market in, in the past year or so. And we have seen those unemployment rates start to creep higher. Historically speaking, these are still very, very low jobless rates. In Canada, it's about 5.5%. In the U.S., it's a little bit less than 4%. Again, historically speaking, those are very low rates. But they have started to creep up a little bit. Now, just looking at the unemployment rates alone doesn't give you the full picture of just how strong the job market was. Above and beyond that, we had millions of vacant jobs. In Canada, we had over a million open jobs at its peak. In the U.S., we had way more than 10 million open jobs. Now, in both cases, job vacancies have started to come down a little bit. And that's being also reflected in some softening in the job market. As you see, we do see the unemployment rate rising over the next year. If we look at the number of vacant jobs as a share of the labor force, and this is called the uh, the job openings rate, uh, it reached extreme levels in the summer of 2022. And that's a very good early indicator for wage pressures. So if there's a lot of open jobs, it reflects a very tight job market. It shows a really strong demand for workers. And yes, wages do tend to go up in that kind of environment. Well, in the past year, that job opening rate has started to come down. Historically, again, it's still very high. It suggests that the job market is still really strong. But we are starting to look for a bit of calming of wage pressures. And ultimately, we think this will take a bit of steam out of inflation over over the next 18 months. But it's going to be a slow process for sure. Because as I said, those uh, those those job openings are still fairly plentiful. And overall, even though the job market has started to soften a little bit, Again, historically, it's quite tight. Now, what does this mean for the interest rate outlook? I started off uh, at at the outset by saying a very important development has been this run-up in bond yields. Some of that is just the view that the central banks are going to keep their interest rates higher for longer. Now, there's quite a bit of debate whether the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve will need to raise interest rates one more time or not. And, you know, frankly, the markets are ebbing and flowing on on that view almost by, by the week. Our official view is that both the Federal Reserve and the Bank of Canada have done enough, and they've done a lot in the last 18 months. As I said, it's quite possible they might raise interest rates one more time. But I think the key message here is, here is that we're basically almost at the top of the mountain. But the other side of the coin here is we're going to be here for a while. 
we're unlikely to see those interest rates start backing time anytime soon. We suspect that uh, the Bank of Canada and the Fed are likely to keep interest rates at around these current levels probably until the second half of 2024 before they feel comfortable with the inflation outlook to start bringing down interest rates. And at that point, we also expect interest rates to only come down the staircase very slowly. We're not looking for an elevator ride down like we saw during past cycles when interest rates plunged back in 2007, 2008, or during the pandemic in 2020. We're not looking for a really quick ride down the the elevator on the other side of this. We think it's going to be a very slow process. Now, maybe the most interesting question is not whether you know the bank will raise rates one more time or not, or exactly when they're going to start cutting interest rates. Maybe the more interesting question is, well, where are interest rates going to settle out on when we're on the other side of this inflation episode? Like, where are we going to be two or three years from now? Are we going to get all the way back down to the kind of extreme lows on interest rates that we saw in the decade before the pandemic? Are we going to settle around close to current levels when we're on the other side of this? Well, I think the truth is probably somewhere in between. So in other words, interest rates are likely to eventually come down a fair bit. But we don't think they're going to get back down to the kind of levels that we saw in the 10 years before the pandemic. So if we just look at, say, for instance, the the Bank of Canada's overnight interest rate, uh, the the policy rate that they can control directly, right now it's 5%. Our best guess is that when we get on the other side of this, when we're through this inflation episode, those interest rates are likely to settle into a range of about 25 to 3%. So roughly 2 to 2.5 2 percentage points below where we are today. Again, that's actually higher than anything we saw in the decade before the pandemic. But it is considerably lower than, uh, than we are today. But we have to get inflation back down close to the Bank of Canada's target before we can realistically talk about interest rate cuts. Well, what does this mean for uh, for the Canadian dollar? The Canadian dollar, it's it's been bobbing around. It's been on a bit of a weaker ebb uh, recently. But if you look at it over a longer period of time, it's actually been relatively stable at around 75 cents or so or a little bit lower as, as we speak now. Um, our view is actually this is not too far from what we would consider to be its long-term fair value. Our best guess on fair value for the Canadian dollar is somewhere between 75 to 77 cents, or so a little bit below that, but not that far. Now, there used to be a very close relationship between the Canadian dollar and oil prices. It used to be, they used to almost move hand in hand. That relationship began weakening about five to six years ago. And the past year, it's really gone almost completely astray. In other words, over the summer, what we saw was oil prices actually taking a big step up. They went from under $70 a barrel to around $90 a barrel. And meanwhile, during that, the Canadian dollar actually weakened. It didn't strengthen. Now, there's a lot of different reasons why this old relationship is broken up. But the key point is, is the big driver for the Canadian dollar is the U.S. dollar itself. So in other words, when the U.S. dollar is strong, we're generally tied with other currencies and weak against the U.S. dollar. And that's really been the story of the last couple of years. Now, looking out into 2024, we expect the U.S. dollar to lose some altitude. And on the flip side of that, we think the Canadian dollar will generally move back towards what we consider to be fair value over the next year. Now, just to wrap up, frankly, there isn't an easy way to put this into a, a tied up with a nice easy bow because it is a very complicated economic backdrop that we're looking at. Uh, we like to consider three broad scenarios for the economy, this, the so-called soft landing where we avoid any kind of a downturn, a middle ground where we see a mild 
pullback in the economy and a so-called hard landing where we go into a full recession. Generally speaking, though, I think the key message here is it's actually that middle ground that's become a little less likely because of events that we've seen in the last six months or so. The good news, as I said at the outset, is inflation has come down. That does increase the odds of of a soft landing. But the less good news, we've also seen those long-term interest rates sprint higher. We've seen a lot of geopolitical risks. And unfortunately, that's the raise the risk of a so-called hard landing. Our best guess and what I'll leave you with today is we're likely to see what we would call the mild contraction in Canada over the, the next year. Not quite rising to the level of recession, but definitely the economy struggling to grow. Again, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more episodes, visit bmocm.com slash markets plus. For BMO disclosures, please visit bmocm.com slash podcast slash disclaimer.